Amen. You can be seated. And uh, this morning is, uh, is a great morning because we're going to be talking about money and stewardship, right? Are you excited? Yes. Single clap. Yeah. Somebody stand up and give me some love here, all right? Uh, listen, uh, money uh, really stinks to talk about as a pastor because it's not very sexy, right? But at the same time, I don't believe that you can be somebody who's really walking with Jesus and growing in him if you do not understand how money works in your life. If you don't understand how your money or what you're calling your money works in your life to, to uh, work towards you being a disciple, towards you walking with Jesus, you don't understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It just uh, doesn't work that way. And so a while ago, uh, I, I put on my schedule, because if I don't schedule it, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, I put on my schedule, I'm going to talk quarterly about money and stewardship, and I'm not going to tell you what those weeks are. It's just so <laughs> you're not going to show up, and I don't care. So uh, we're going to talk about it. I have a captive audience. I suppose you could get up and leave, but um, God sees you. So, all right. Here we go. No, uh, so that's, that's, that's kind of the deal. We're going to take a, a break from Philippians today. Um, uh, as I said, it's, it's difficult to, to chat about money. Jesus devotes uh, roughly 25% of his words in the Gospels to the resources that he entrusts to us. So Jesus talks about money. He talks about our time. He talks about our giftings. He talks about what we're doing with those kinds of things. We as individuals in America have, have a very individual, individualized society. Uh, we do not like to talk about these things. In fact, we get offended if someone talks to us about our money and what we're doing with our, our money. Like I said, I don't know how you're a disciple without also submitting your life to Christ in the area of money. In fact, I'm not entirely sure that I think that there has really been a, a, a real move towards Jesus if that is not included in some way. At least the efforts are being made in that direction. So Jesus talks about uh, you know, steward, stewarding our resources. Um, there's 28 passages in the Gospels talking about good stewardship uh, in the Old and New Testaments combined, there are over 800 verses on the subject uh, talking about planning and budgeting and saving and investing and debt and tithing. Um, money, wealth, and possessions are among the greatest idols in our culture. It's the biggest thing in our life. It's the biggest thing in our life that is going on. I would say that money is number one, and I'd say sex is number two in our sexualized culture. Money is number one, sex is number two, and those are the two things that people get upset about. Those are the two things that people, how dare you get into my business. Jesus doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And if you're uncomfortable with that, you have not submitted your life to Christ. You've submitted, you've submitted to some type of American Christianity, but you have not submitted your life to Christ. So the question is this, are we worshiping our wealth or, or are we worshiping God with our wealth. Do you, worship, do you worship the finances that God has given you, the resources that he's given you, and just worship those things? Or are you worshiping God with those things? Because idolatry is a big deal. Idolatry is worshiping something other than the true and the living God. 
It's worshiping something that is lifeless and has no meaning. And oftentimes that's what we do. And so until you are giving on a regular basis, you stunt your spiritual growth. I do not believe that there is any way for you to grow beyond a certain point if you do not give. That's, that's, that's my belief. We talk to our leaders about their giving. Why? Because we believe that they must lead in this first. I am held, uh, held to account for this as well. I must be giving on a regular basis uh, to what God is doing uh, at this church. So I'm, I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. I say that uh, often. How you use money is as important as how you use sex. A lot of us are, are uh, forgive the expression, hot and bothered about what we think about sex. And Christians get up in arms about how our culture treats that. But then when it comes to money, how dare you talk about my finances? Well, at Outward Church, uh, we're okay if, if on some level there's an offense. Our hope is that your offense is with, is with what Jesus says and not with what we're saying. And so my hope is that you're not offended, but if you are, uh, that's okay. I hope you hear me out anyway. And so uh, the way that you know that you've received the radical generosity of God is if you are radically generous toward other people. When there's a radical uh, level of generosity in your life, at, at, and, and that is in relation to, okay, this is what God, through Jesus Christ, has done in my life uh, on the cross and because of that generosity, my generosity is flowing out of that. When that's taking place, then you can know that the, the generosity of God has come into your life. I just, I don't know how else that happens. I hope I've made that clear. So this morning, here's, here's a couple things. I do not uh, in any way want to see um, uh, any kind of guilt coming your way. We're, this is not a, a, a sermon to make you feel guilty. I spent many years not giving. I spent many years not giving. I could not figure out my finances. I was not good with them as a, as a single guy. And even into our marriage, it took us a while to try to get our, our feet underneath us. And so I, there, there should be no guilt here. All this is about is about saying, okay, yes, I want what God wants in my life. So don't feel guilty about it. Don't, don't feel like, oh, Matt's putting me down or something like that. No, this is about growth. Sanctification is progressive. You're not just going to wake up one day and just say, okay, I'm going to be completely obedient in every single way. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. It hasn't happened that way in my life. If it has in yours, you're probably weird. And so that's, 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 an, that's, that's, that's an issue. But most of us struggle to walk with God in real ways. And so my encouragement to you is to not feel guilty. Understand that uh, sanctification is progressive and this to take the next step. Let's just take the next step. Let's start working on it. Let's start working towards something. So I'll say that at the outset. So we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, beginning in chapter 8. We're going to cover two chapters. I'm going to skip over some sections. I am not going to exhaustively go over this passage um, at least not in every detail. I'm not even going to give you a ton of context, which is 
totally against the rules, but I'm okay with it today because I'm only doing it once. Um, but uh, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it, um, and we're gonna, I'm going to pull some principles out of here that I think are going to help us um, in, when it comes to being generous with our finances. So this morning, if you're somebody where you'd say, hey, uh, I'm actually generous with my finances, and um, I, 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 I really have worked on this. I've, I've tried to submit to God in this area. Uh, m- my guess is that in some area, whether it's in, in, in your, whether it's in your finances or whether it's in the time that you give to what God is doing uh, in, in his city, in, in this church, uh, or whether it's your abilities, your giftings, and things like that, there's probably some area that you need to steward well. And so as we're, we're really going to be talking about money, but you can just insert there, like this is, for me, this is about my time, or this is about my gifting. How can I give to what God is doing and so uh, what's happening here is that the Apostle Paul is talking to this church in Corinth, and he is talking about, about how the church in Jerusalem is going through a very difficult time. And so the church in Corinth has apparently said, hey, we want to give towards this project. We want to give towards helping the church in Jerusalem out. And I think maybe Paul is getting an inference that they were like, they were really excited about this at first. Don't we all do this? Like, I'm going to give so much money. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm going to make all this money. And then all of a sudden it just dissipates and we don't know uh, what happened to it. I think that they've kind of had buyer's remorse. Like, we committed to this. I'm not sure. And so Paul is coming to them and he's encouraging them. And he's saying, listen, I want you to follow through with this, and he's giving them a biblical explanation of why they should follow through in supporting this other church in Jerusalem that's going through a difficult time, and so he's talking to the church in Corinth. I'm going to pick it up in verse 7. I'm I'm not going to give you a ton more context. He says this, chapter 8, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians. So if you you didn't know where we were, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He's talking about giving. Now, listen to what he just said. He is saying that the way that you are generous, the way that you are are giving is just as important as how you believe, how you talk, how you learn about God, how you love one another. It is as much a part of discipleship as anything else is. So anybody who walked in here today as a Christian who said, you know, I'm a disciple. I just am kind of just struggling this, you know, one little area. But I'm a disciple. You can't say that. You can't. Because if you're not growing in the way that you're giving, if that's not an area where you're saying, okay, how I spend my finances is as important as as how I use sex, and so I need to make sure that I'm understanding that God has given me these resources to steward them well. If I don't understand that, you don't get it. You don't get it. Remember what I said. American culture, as its biggest idol, has got to be money. And so when you continue to operate as, with money being your biggest idol, you're still not serving Jesus. You're still not serving the God of the universe. So as you excel in everything, in all of these areas, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. So this is an act of grace. Now what is an act of grace? An act of grace is essentially this. God's grace comes to us 
And we operate in that grace when we replicate that to other people. When we replicate that to other people, we acknowledge the fact that we've received the grace of Jesus Christ. If we're not giving, if we're not stewarding our finances well, what we can know is this, is that the grace of God may very well have come to us, and I believe that that has definitely happened to so many people in this room, but what's not happening is we're not extending that grace to other people. That act of grace is not being extended to other people. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So generosity is a mark of genuine love for the body of Christ. Your generosity shows that you love the body of Christ. Outside of your love for what God is doing, hitting your wallet, there really is no tangible proof oftentimes that that has actually taken place. And it's, it's up for question. It may be true, but it really hasn't come to the core of who you are. It proves. But to prove, he says, there's a, a proving ground in this. So what should this look like? What should our, our giving look like? I think it gives some really great principles here, beginning in verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That's the first point. Giving must be done sacrificially. How do we know that? He, he, the first thing he begins with, the principle that he begins with is this, is that you cannot give rightly until you first understand God has given me this. Look at how he just explains the gospel. We, we talk about the gospel all the time. Most of us don't get it, including myself. I'm the one that's preaching about the gospel all the time. Pastors are famous for not applying the gospel to their own life. Here's how you apply the gospel to your life. Paul says, like, if you're going to excel in this act of grace, then you need to be able to see how you apply the gospel to your money. He says, well, look at the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know about it. You're a church. You know about what Jesus has done for you on the cross, that though he was rich, here's the specific aspect that he wants you to see about the gospel, that though he was rich, Though he's God in the flesh, though he lives in glory and royalty, he's honored and praised. Though all of those things are true, though he was rich, yet for your sake he chose to become poor. We've been talking about this in Philippians chapter 2. Though he's equal with God, he didn't consider himself equal, he didn't take up, take that up. He decided to set that aside by taking on the form of a servant, by taking on a human form. And so he becomes poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is our example. What's his example? He sacrificially gives of himself in order to serve other people. Are you sacrificially giving of yourself in order to serve other people? Well, I can't really right now. I mean, that, I mean I just, I've got all these things going on. That's, I mean, yeah. I mean, giving, tithing, giving a tenth of your income is never easy. And by the way, the more you make, the more it hurts, all right? Because that's a chunk of change, right? That's, that's, a, that's a car payment. And some of you, you got like a Ferrari payment if you, if, you were to, if you were to give. 
Some of you got a candy bar, but that's okay, right? It's like, it's like, like okay, I guess I'll give up a, a Starbucks. I guess, I, I guess I'll do that. It gets harder. I was talking to a friend of mine that lives in a, in a lower-income area who pastors a church. He said, Matt, you wouldn't believe it. The people that make the most money barely give anything. And the people that... He, he was talking to me about a, a gas station attendant and his wife who are the biggest givers in his church. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm not calling out people who feel like they're rich or if you, if you make a lot of money. I'm not calling you out here this morning. I'm just saying this. If you think that you're going to start when you make more money, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Be faithful with little things. Do it in relation to the sacrifice that Jesus has given to you, and then you're going to be able to follow through with that step by step, step by step. So it's got to be done sacrificially. It's got to hurt in order for it to mean something. It's, it's going to have to hurt. Don't give, don't throw an extra five in the plate, as some country song says. Like that's, I mean, if that's what you got, if that's, I mean, if, if that's a tenth of your income, cool, that's great. I, and I'm super happy about that. I really am. But, but, but don't give something that doesn't matter. Give something that matters. Okay. Verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. What's his judgment? When you give sacrificially, this benefits you. When you give sacrificially, you receive a benefit. It's not just a loss. You receive a benefit. Who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also uh, to desire to do it. So now finishing doing it well so that your readiness and desiring it may, may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have. So we want to differentiate ourselves from the TV uh, preachers. The people that say, we just need a seed of faith. I need a new jet. And what you can do uh, to get to heaven is by giving some money. And so some little old grandma who thinks that she's serving Jesus writes, you know, this huge check out of, you know, the inheritance that's supposed to go to her kids and Something like that. Those are horror stories. This is not about you going into debt or being absolutely foolish about things. It's according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. So what is this saying? It's saying the second thing is this. First thing is sacrificially. Second thing is proportionally. Proportionally to the money that you make. What, what we often do is we say, you know what? I'm good with this amount. I'm good with this amount. And we stick with that amount even as our career goes on. Our career goes on, and we're making significantly more, and so we give our second best. And the older we get, the more money we make, perhaps, and the less involved, the less tied to what God is doing here, the less of a disciple, in a sense, we're becoming, because we're allowing that to slip by not giving our best to God and allowing it to hurt on a regular basis. Let me just tell you that this is like the only area in your life as a Christian, that you can really, like, force growth, in a sense, according to what you have, not putting it on credit or something like that, but saying, okay, I've got to look at my finances, and in order to do this, you need to be able to say, okay, what are my finances? What do they look like? Some of you are, are in absolute financial disarray. It's dishonoring to God. It's wrong. It's poor stewardship. 
What do you need to do? You need to walk in wisdom in the way that you use your finances. You need to begin to walk in wisdom. And what does that look like? What are your bills? Do you even know what's going out of your account? I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I remember I was working on this, on this job. It was, a, it was a, a state job, and so I was making tons of money uh, in, in construction because they, they pay more in state jobs, right? So I'm making tons of money, and that money would come in and go out just as fast. You know what I spent my money on? Steak. Lots of steak. And if I'm honest, some beer too. But steak, mostly steak, all right? I, I, was, I, I, I went to the, the uh, uh, what is it? it was called the road, I guess just the roadhouse at that point. Like, it was like for dinner every night. And then I'm buying stuff for other people. Yeah, I got it, I got it. I just acted like I was some hot shot. I was such a moron. I spent money that I, you know, and then I, I, I was making, I don't know, it was, as a single guy, 50000 60000 a year. And it was just in and out of my pocket so quick. I was so dumb. Do we even know where our finances are going? Are you still operating like that? Is that where you're going? Is that, is that what's happening? You, you cannot tithe on what you don't know that you have. You cannot give to God. What you, what, you have no control over it. God does not want you to not know what you have. You need to look at what, is, at what is coming in and steward that well. It is disobedience to not do so. And so then you need to look at that and just say, here's all of the bills. What would happen to my life if I took 10% and I just kind of lopped it off and I gave it to God? Well, if you were to look at that, you'd say, all my bills would be covered, but I would have no residual cash. I w- you probably would have no residual cash. So, you know, Starbucks or, or things like that, perhaps your budget is tighter. Those things have happened before. They happen all the time. Maybe you have too many things. Like I said, I could have a pretty nice car based on, I, I don't even want to say that, but all of us could have a pretty nice car if we're... If we're tithing. That, paint, that, would, that would cover a nice car. What does that mean? Well, it means that I don't drive as nice of a vehicle. I might have less of a house, perhaps, although I don't feel that way. I feel incredibly blessed. I might have less um, residual income to go take the family out to dinner. Do you know, you know what that, you know, you, you know what happens then? Throughout the month, What's taking place in my life is, is, is this, is that when I think about that, and I think about it in relation to my giving. I've been giving online for some time now, which I don't love because I don't have to go through the pain of writing the check. So it's not necessarily sacrificial. It's just like I get an email that says, you just gave this much, you know, that kind of a thing. But really what happens is this, is that when you begin to think about your life and you say, man, it would be so much easier. Like I could save so much more for retirement. Or I could... I could um, I could get rid of my 2007 Suburban and, and buy something that's a little bit nicer. It sounds like it's a, a diesel, and it's not a diesel. Like, that's not good if you're a guy and you know this. I, uh, I can work on my own vehicle, so I'm okay. It, it's fine. There's something slightly wrong with it. But I could buy a, a newer Suburban for my family. I could take care of this. I could take care of that. You know what? It hurts. But I'm giving proportionally, and when I give proportionally, what's taking place is that I have to think about the fact that I've given to God. Like, I have given to God, and so therefore what happens then is like, hey God, I hope you take care of me. I'm I'm really hoping that I've honored you in my finances, and I'm hoping that you take care of me. I've told this story a thousand times. When we started the church, 
uh, you know, back in, in 2007. And there was very little money. I was getting like a partial paycheck. And I mean, things were just kind of like money wasn't there. I mean, there's a bunch of college students. And they thought like, I don't know, like the Sky Ferry was giving us money or something like this. And so there wasn't a lot of money that came in. And so we, we kind of just submitted to the Lord and said, Lord, if you want us to do this, we're going to continue to tithe, but you've got to provide. And it was just the craziest thing. Like some gal gave us like a box of like Nordstrom clothing for our kid. Like it was, it was like nicer clothes than we would have bought for our kid. And then somebody else donated a, a cow to us. It was butchered. So <laughs> we lived in a 600 square foot like apartment like studio apartment, so that would have been awkward with a cow. But, I mean, milk might have been, might have been free, so that would have been a benefit too. But um, they did butcher it in advance. And I, 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 remember, I remember where I was sitting one day, and I was like, I'm eating a T-bone right now. I, w- I wouldn't have gone down and bought a T-bone. Like, and I, I just remember thinking, like, God, you are so stinking good. Like, and, and I'm not promising you that you're going to get a T-bone, all right? I wish I could. But I'm not promising you that. God's promises to us um, have to do with meeting our needs. And sometimes he exceeds them. He doesn't always do that in ways that we're hoping that he will. When we give proportionally, God honors that and he takes care of us. I got to keep moving here. Sacrificially, proportionally, verse 5. Did I skip? Yes, I did. I think we're in chapter 9 now. I didn't note that in my notes, but I think chapter 9, verse 5. He says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Okay? So we skipped a little bit there, obviously. I skipped quite a bit. But what Paul wants to say to this church is he's saying, I I wanted people to go ahead of me so that we're not coming with our hands out to you guys, and you guys are like, oh, uh, where did I put that? Um, where, uh, yeah, sorry, Paul. Like, <laughs> here, here's an IOU, and there's an IOU, and there's a, those are all good money right there, you know? I mean, that was just, and, and Paul is saying just previous to this, like, that would be embarrassing for me, but it'd be even more embarrassing for you. And so he says, I wanted people to go ahead to encourage you towards giving in advance, giving the gift that you've promised so that it may may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction, not something that we're just coming and taking. It's not a tax. This isn't like some type of membership organization that like, hey, if you've tithed, then you're in the president's club or the pastor's club or something, and then we're going to go on a cruise in a little while, and it'll be fantastic because you've given. No, that's not the way that that works. It's not an exaction. It's not a club. It's not that kind of stuff. So the third thing is this, is that it would be done willingly. If you feel forced into it, that's not a good place to be. Like if you're a leader here at Outward Church and you're, and, and you're just kind of seething, like how dare they ask me about my finances? How dare they, they do this? That's not willing. That's not willing. That's not saying like that's, like that's what I want to do. That's what I feel like God is calling me to. That's acting like this is an exaction. You're taking this from me. We never want to do that. We never want to be about that. We want to encourage you because we believe that there's phenomenal growth when you give willingly. 
And so it's number three is willingly. Uh, Here we go, uh, verse six. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully, I hate that word, will also reap bountifully, all right? I, I, I just wish they would have picked a different word there, bountifully, the bounty of God. Yeah, I just hate it. But it's in there. It's, I just said I hate Scripture. That's not good. But if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. The thing about like being an evangelical Protestant pastor who, uh, is, is that, one of the, like I said just a little bit ago, one of the things that we're looking out for is that we don't want to be about prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is if you give, then God's going to give you what you want. It is a way to control God. It's to say to God, God, I want to control you, and so I'm going to give you this much money. I'm going to give you this much money, and you better increase that by tenfold so I can buy my Mercedes. It's always about what I get in return. It's not about generosity for uh, the love of God or for others' sake. It is generosity for my sake. That's what's going on there, it's, and it's a real big problem. Here's the downside to that is that people like me don't like to talk about the blessing that can come from giving. Now, I don't know what to say about it other than somehow God makes promises that he can and will bless you. It just will not happen according to your schedule or to the, towards the things that you want necessarily. I, I don't think it'll be useless, but it'll be according to what God knows that you need. And so he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you only give occasionally, if you throw an extra five in the plate, or if you're just like, you know what, I just think the church only needs, you know, this. And I, you know, I'm just not, you know, I just don't see any real need to get, you can come with all kinds of excuses. Maybe you're going to a, not the right church. Maybe you don't like going to church, or maybe you ought to go to a church that you feel like you could support generously. That would be important. Like, go to a church that you can support generously that's teaching the Bible. Like, maybe, that, maybe that's not going to happen for you here, and we would totally love it if you went somewhere where you're walking in obedience to God in this way. The, the fourth thing is this, to give regularly. If you're sowing sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But when you sow bountifully or regularly or generously, when you're sowing cons- consistently, when you're consistently putting that in, you reap consistently. You reap consistently and you get back in some way what you've given. God makes that promise. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So not only is it sacrificially, not only is it, uh, what was the second one, Uh, proportionately, not only is it willingly, not only is it regularly, but number five is cheerfully. It's not just like, okay, fine. Like there should be some level of joy in this. It's cheerful. I don't know if you should be grinning like an idiot when you do it, But I think on some level there should be, like, God, I want you more than I want stuff. I want to follow you more than have a new car. Like, I want you, God, more than I want things. And so to do that with a cheerful heart is what God loves. 
And so I would encourage you towards that. And so what do we get back? Look at verse 8 here. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Paul says, follow these steps. Give in this way. And who you're giving to is not just some idolatrous God. Like this is the God. He is the one that is able to make all grace abound to you. He's able to give you grace upon grace. He's able to overflow your life with this. Look at what he says here. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Think about that for just a second. Like God's the one who's able to do this. When you honor him with the first fruits of your wealth, when you give him 10%, not in a legalistic way, but when you give to him, he is able to bring about sufficiency in your life. He is able to bring about what you need in all sufficiency. So what it's saying is God's able to do this and he's able to provide for you everything that you need in life. He's able to give this to you in all times. You may abound in every good work. Look at the flow of thought there. God is able to make, make, uh, cause you to have everything that you need so that you may continue doing good works. See, good works don't get us into the kingdom Good works prove that we are in the kingdom. He says, I'm going to provide this for you so that you can continue providing. You've been blessed in order to be a blessing to others. How many of us really know that? How many of us have seen that? You've been blessed in order to be a blessing. Well, I'm blessing my kids. I'm blessing, you know. Nope, you're blessing yourself. Bless me. Thank you, Jesus, for all my blessings. I'm going to keep my blessings. Bless me, bless me. That's what we go to God for. That's what I go to God for oftentimes. I have to remember that he's given me something in order to serve other people. Verse 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's from Psalm 112. So it's looking back at the nature and the character of God in the Psalms, and it's saying this is who he is. He is the one who's given to you. He's the one who's distributed freely. Why should you give? Because it came from God. It's not yours. It's God's. The only difference is you recognizing that. So he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now look, he's going to explain this. This, was, uh, this is the part that I really got into as I was studying this. He says, <clears throat> God is the one. God is the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, everything we have has come from God. That guy who's given us all of those things says this, will, number one, supply, and number two, multiply your seed for sowing, and three, he's going to increase the harvest of your Mercedes. You're going to get a Mercedes. I, I know I was holding back on that. If you give. He's, he's going to get you a 2018 uh, four-door Chevy with a Duramax diesel, right? There's going to be a slight lift on it, and there's going to be 38s on there. 
you're going to drive through. Yeah, ah, praise. That's the first time you've ever said anything in a sermon, right? This guy's on staff. He won't be soon. But uh, that's actually true, but it's, we're sad to lose him. But um, you have to say that when you're on stage, though, don't you? Um, God, he's going to supply, he's going to increase the harvest of all of these things that you really want. It's going to be a nicer house. It's going to be more square footage. It's going to be the stuff that you want to eat, the places that you want to go. It's going to be dollar bills, y'all. I mean, it's going to be incredible, right? That's not what it promises. That's not what the promise is. He's going to supply. He's going to multiply. He's going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. Nobody? Nobody? Yeah. It's the slow clap. Okay, I guess that's all right. That's all right. Uh, what, what is that? What is that? Guess what? It's what Christians want. It's what people who love Jesus want in their life. It's, it's coming to God and say, when can I come and meet with God? When can I, when can I experience Him? It's the Psalms over and over again longing to be with God and to hear from Him and to learn from His law. It's righteousness. It's a longing to be like Jesus. Why is that important? When, I, when, when we give, what we're hoping for in return is increased righteousness. I'm not paying for God. Hey, God, would you overlook that uh, thing last weekend? Uh, that was a little bit of a bender, but uh, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm giving regularly. I'm giving regularly, and what I'm saying is, is, God, I just want to be like you. I just want to be like you. And I am breaking the idolatry of my heart. I am physically smashing it because I'm letting go of all of these other things that I could have, all of the security that would take place because of those things. And so as a result, I'm just looking to you. God, I just want to be like you. Who does that? Who wants that? Who says, I need that? I'm convicted. I'm convicted about it. Because am I going to God saying, I want your righteousness? And of course, he's given it to me. It's a theological point called imputed righteousness. He, I, he trades my sin for his righteousness. It happens on the cross. But that means that I want to grow in that righteousness. I want to grow into what I already am. You are righteous before God if you've received the good news of Jesus Christ and the story of his life. Now, walk in that way. Walk in a way worthy of the gospel that you've received. It's walking in righteousness. Who wants righteousness? We're going to talk about it. Sometimes we get so deep is that we're just trying to help you through life as a church. We're trying to help life go better for you. And so we're just trying to get you in the clear. 
We're trying to get you to a point where your marriage isn't going to implode. We're trying to get you to a point where you're able to give up pornography. We're trying to get you to a point where you're off of drugs. We're trying to get you to a point where you realize that you're a prideful person who just doesn't struggle with those things, and it's just arrogance. It's just coming out of you. We're trying to get you to that point. But beyond that, do you know what's happening next? What's the walk of a believer supposed to look like? It's a deep and abiding desire for righteousness. Why should you give? Because Jesus went to the cross, and he left everything. He gave up everything. Well, I'd have to give up Starbucks. I might not be able to have as nice of a house. I might not be able to have that car. But Jesus gave up everything. Jesus gave up all. He gave up life. And not just like, you know, something quick and painless, but he lived a full life. And he's cast aside, and he's brutally beaten, and he's neglected by his friends. He gave up everything. Can we give 10%? Because of this, you will be enriched, verse 11, in every way to be generous in every way. You just you should camp on that. You will be, I could, I could give you another sermon on this one. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God's generosity to you, if you take it, and you say, that's just for me. God, would you give me, would you give me a pay raise so that I can begin to tithe? That's, that's to neglect the fact that he's been generous to you. That's, that's, that's to negate everything that he's done. You haven't been faithful with little things. Why would you be faithful with big things? He, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Look at the next verse. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. I didn't read the same verse twice. He says the same thing. What's he saying? He's saying, when you give, what happens? Thanksgiving goes to God. Because the people that you're serving are saying, this is amazing. This is radical. This is not you know, from this earth. This is crazy. These people are like radically generous. They don't worship their money. They worship their God with their money. This is crazy. Oh my goodness. Uh, like, I just got to thank God. I got to thank the God. I got to thank their God. Have you ever thought of your money, the way that you give as a source of evangelism? Maybe you stink at personal evangelism in part because you stink at wallet evangelism, financial evangelism. Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission. What's submission? It's obedience. They're going to glorify God because you're obedient to God. Remember what I said? Not giving 
generously is disobedience to God. It's the same as if you're sinning sexually, even though all sin is the same. It's the same. Your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. If you confess the gospel of Christ, what has to happen is there's a, there is a submission to who God is and what he says about your life. It's submitting to him. It's obeying. It's saying, okay, God, all I have is yours. You gave it to me. All that I am is from you. And so I want to walk in relationship with you. It's the submission that comes from the fact that you ever entered in relationship with God in the first place. From your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You guys, giving is a gift. You get to give. You get to give to God. I get to do that. What do we get out of it? We're enriched in righteousness. Do you want righteousness? Do we? Is it, do you want to grow in that? God uses your lack of funds to enrich you. He's the only God that does that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to ask that you would sear into our minds this morning what it means to be a disciple. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that the folks here at Outward would see their giving as an act of obedience to you. Lord, that they'd willingly do so, that they wouldn't feel like their arm is being twisted, but Lord, that they would long for your righteousness, that they would long to be closer to you, and Lord, that this is a way that this can take place. So Lord, we're asking you for this. We're asking that you would do this in our lives this morning. Lord, th this church is, is a little bit of an anomaly because there's so many young people here, and yet we exist and we thrive in so many ways. So Lord, thank you so much for what you've provided. Lord, I'm praying that you'd work on our hearts, um, and, and Lord, that you would enable um, additional funds to come through uh, so that we can carry out the vision that you've called us to. So Lord, we ask you for this. Lord, convict us where conviction is necessary. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.